Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, whatever the case may be. Let me turn down something here so I don't blast my eardrums out. Welcome to the other side of midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn where everything you think you know that's accurate in the New York Times must be questioned endlessly, over and over again. No, seriously, tonight we're going to be talking about some very cutting-edge stuff which has appeared, among other places, in the New York Times, but that doesn't make it true or not true. What you need to do, as we were having in this off-air conversation before the show, people have to learn again how to balance sources. They need to kind of think of it as uh, picking from my Swedish heritage. The news is a kind of a smorgasbord, and you pick and choose the meatballs and the other things, the gefilte fish and whatever, and you come up with something at the end of a process, but to really do it, you got to really, really do it. So, you know, some night maybe we should have a whole show just on this whole concept of fake news. That might be interesting. Who would we involve in that conversation? Anyway, um, let me move on because we have so much to do tonight and not enough time to do it, but we'll, we'll get it done. Let me give you a couple of news items at the top. If you go to the other side of midnight.com, where you're going to want to go tonight, because tonight is another one of those intensive radio with picture show, go to the other side of midnight.com, click on tonight's banner for Saturday with Barbara Honiger as our guest. That will take you to her guest page. Scroll down under radio with pictures to my items. And item number one is NASA has put out a story because apparently what they put out earlier in the week was kind of misinterpreted by some reporters and editors that don't follow NASA very closely. So if you click on the first item, it says no NASA has not been playing music to wake up its opportunity rover on Mars. Now, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, as you may or may not remember, we have a couple of rovers running around on the, surface of Mars. Well, running is not exactly an appropriate term. They they crawl along at a few feet per minute. So um, it, it, it basically takes a while for them to get anywhere. Anyway, one of the rovers called Opportunity is a solar-powered rover. It has solar panels. The other rover, Curiosity, is nuclear-powered. Now, the reason this differentiation is important is because the solar-powered rover Opportunity, the sole surviving solar-powered rover still active on the surface of Mars, has been in a kind of a hibernation dormant mode for the past couple months since June, since I think June 10th was the last communication when it sent a phone call home and said, okay, guys, we're signing off because we don't have enough electricity from the sun, so until you hear from us again, have a good life. I'm paraphrasing, of course. 
Anyway, NASA is now becoming worried because the dust storm has been subsiding. We know the sun is coming back. You know, the dust is falling out of the atmosphere and lying on the ground. But we haven't heard from Opportunity. So in the last uh, couple, three weeks, NASA has taken to playing during its communication sessions a series of, um, um, what should I say, series of tunes basically trying to um, get the rover to kind of wake up. Well, see, that's what the story was, but that's not what's been happening. What's been happening is that the rover has been silent and the control room has played these tunes for themselves. And they're really kind of interesting. In fact, let me just go down here since this is a radio show. If you click on that, you will actually see the tunes that um, uh, they've been trying to play. So let me see if this one works. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Oh, I had this all set up before and something changed my settings. So, okay, here we are. Here we are. All right. Uh, No, that's not the one. Ah, Isn't that funny? Anyway, so if you go to that link and you click on a couple things, you'll be able to find what tunes. One of them that's really kind of appropriate is Dust in the Wind. And they're all kind of similar to uh, a quirky sense of humor. Anyway, the interesting thing is that it's possible that this time the the rover, the solar-powered rover, Little Opportunity, which has been there. I mean, can you believe it? It's been there 15 years roving around, doing science, taking incredible images. It's in a completely different place on Mars as opposed to um, to the uh, Curiosity rover, of course. Anyway, it's 15 years old, and it was only designed for 90 days. That was its, quote, warranty. That's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing that NASA said. And they're not sure that the batteries actually have survived which means that on June 10th, we may have heard the last from the Opportunity rover. Now, we won't know for another maybe week or two when they're really convinced, if they don't hear anything, that uh, Opportunity has now joined NASA history. But we're holding out the hope because it survived even worse dust storms before. And according to NASA, the batteries... Um, before they went into the dust storm, we're in good shape. So kind of cross your fingers. But if you go to that link, number one, uh, and you click through, you'll find the, the music list for what they're playing for their own edification and morale. And it's kind of an interesting music list. Music is going to play an interesting role in tonight's show. So I'm not going to give the game away yet. So item number two, um, Keeping in mind with NASA, NASA identified this week a rather remarkable, weird object that um, uh, was on the um, uh, ground next to the Curiosity rover. And item number two, it says, NASA identifies foreign object debris spotted by Mars rover. And when you look on the, on the story, you'll, you'll see that they're, I don't know, they're doing another Emily Dickinson Because although the object clearly looks like a piece of paper or a piece of insulation or a piece of something uh, artificial, 
Uh, it's uniform in width. It's got rounded corners. It's got a, as one side of it looks like it was torn. And they did a close-up image with the uh, ChemCam, you know, camera, which has very high resolution with something just a few feet away. NASA's conclusion is it's a flake of rock. Okay, go take a look at the pictures and fight among yourselves. I don't think it's a flake of rock. I think it's another part of this drip, 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 even if they claim it's not a piece of debris from the rover. They've eliminated that. So they're saying, okay, never mind, guys. It's just a piece of rock. No, rocks don't look like that. This looks like a piece of fabric or a piece of paper or a strip of insulation or Anyway, go, you know, just go take a look. Moving on. Tonight's show is kind of important. If you go to the, the title and you go up to the top, is the president planning to postpone the midterm elections on the excuse of Russian meddling? Now, normally you would say that we're kind of being very hyper about this, except what we're going to talk about tonight is a false flag operation almost 20 years old, 2001, 9-11, with new data, some remarkable new data we're going to get to later in the morning. And we have two major news stories, items three and four in my radio with pictures. They're also copied again down in Barbara's section, so you'll have plenty of opportunities to go and read them. One is from Dan Coates, who is the DNI, the Director of National Intelligence, which is this new intelligence position created after 9-11, in 2001 by the Congress. It's basically a guy who is supposed to be the uh, traffic controller of all of the intelligence agencies, something like 17 different government intelligence agencies now, from the, you know, the, um, the Army to the CIA to the NSA, etc. They all report to the DNI, who is now former Senator Dan Coats, and he has been warning in a very interesting and curiously provocative way for the last couple of weeks, that we could be on the verge of another 9-11, typically has used that term, in connection with potential cyber uh, security problems and attacks by foreign actors on our electoral process in all of the 50 states. And then if you go to the other news item there, Senator Nelson um, from Florida has um, claimed that the Russians are already hacking in the Florida election system. And he's been somewhat vague about specifics, but it may be that he can't tell us the specifics because they fall under the rubric of classified information. And of course, everybody these days is super, super sensitive to revealing classified information. I mean, this is a can of worms. Now, the reason I bring up any of this is because we lived through 9-11, and we are going to hear additional evidence tonight that 9-11 was not what it has been reported to be. That 9-11 was a variant of something we call a false flag attack. So keep that in mind as we go through this morning's conversation, because even though this looks like it could be a low-probability event, what would be more catastrophic for the American democracy than if, based on claims of someone, the election coming up in the midterms in less than three months now, 
was postponed by executive order of the President of the United States. I mean, that, as my grandmother used to say, would really throw a cat among the pigeons. Anyway, we'll get into all that when we bring Barbara on. But before we do that, I want to take a moment and and, uh, have a moment of um, kind of appreciation for Aretha Franklin. As you may know, unless you've been sitting on Mars all week, we lost Aretha Franklin this week. She died of pancreatic cancer at the relatively young age of 76, but she has left us an extraordinary legacy. So if you go to link number five, there is a very lengthy and very informative article there uh, from the New York Times, redounding to her extraordinary credit, all of the things she did with her extraordinarily productive life, including more than half a done, half a done, half a dozen uh, honorary college degrees. She has pioneered in so many different musical fields. She's called, of course, with excellent reason, the Queen of Soul, and she had an extraordinary, extraordinary uh, career and life, and she has now gone on to a better life. So, tell you what, before we bring Barbara on, let us let us do this. This is a recording that was made at the Kennedy Center where she sang Natural Woman, which was written by Carol King. And what's really interesting, if you uh, if you go to Google and you Google, you know, Aretha Franklin's music, this link will come up. And it's interesting how they took reaction shots from Carol King at the uh, Kennedy Center. And those reaction shots are priceless, absolutely priceless. Miss Aretha Franklin. Life was so unkind, you're 
The Queen of Soul. Godspeed, Aretha. Godspeed. My guest tonight is Barbara Honiger. And speaking of natural-born women, Barbara's had an equally remarkable career. And let me give you a kind of a thumbnail sketch because it's important for context because she has a lot of important things to talk to us tonight. Barbara's a member of the Grand Jury Petition Drafting Committee, has served as White House Policy Analyst under Ronald Reagan, Director of the Attorney General's Law Review at the Department of Justice, and from 1995 to 2001 was Senior Military Affairs Journalist at the Naval Postgraduate School, the premier science, technology, and national security affairs graduate university of the Department of Defense. Barbara's a leading researcher, author, documentation, and public speaker, documentarian, I should say, on the events of 9-11. She played a key role in achieving the declassification and release of the 28 pages, which led to the passage of the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act that has enabled the lawsuits of thousands of 9-11 victims' family members to finally move forward in the courts. Barbara? Welcome to back to the other side of midnight. Hello, Richard. That was a really hard act to follow you <laughs> set me up on. You're up to it. You're up to it. <laughs> well, we have so much to go through tonight. I mean, this idea, yeah. and, and again, it's not science fiction. We live in this other side of midnight world now where things that were inconceivable just a couple of years ago, you have to literally look at them and look at them carefully because they do not have a zero probability of coming to pass. We live in that kind of bizarre universe now. So It's as if we went through the looking glass uh, on November 8th or whatever day it was, yeah, 2016. Yeah. So let us, let us kind of give people, uh, let's start at the beginning. Before we get to uh, the, the midterms and what might happen and the mm-hmm. coded language we're hearing from the intelligence community and now from one senator, one major senator in a fight for his professional life there in Florida. Let's back up and start with 9-11. For those folks that may have been living on Mars, what the heck is 9-11 and why should we care? Oh, oh, you're going into a different order for the program than I expected. Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> so, uh, so let me ask you, Richard, um, We'll talk about 9-11. Do you intend then to bring in our uh, our new 9-11 witness uh, early in the show? No, 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 no. We're going to do that at the time we've agreed. But I want you to All start right. with you and give okay. people – remember, context is everything. Without yes. understanding yes. that 9-11 was an inside sanction, whether it was carried out by insiders, it was sanctioned at some level by insiders. It was a false flag. I mean, I don't think there's any physical – you know, distinction now between a false flag and someone else allowing it to occur. So we need to give people that context for some of the right. more unbelievable things we're going to talk about toward the end of the show. All right. So, so first, um, there are probably some listeners who have heard me on your show many times before on the forensic evidence that proves that 9-11 absolutely was a false flag, meaning that uh, no 19 hijackers uh, were probably even on the planes, and we certainly know that they weren't controlling the planes when they hit their targets. There's overwhelming evidence that the planes, the four planes that left the airports on 9-11, 
uh, were swapped over radar black holes and substituted for military remote-controlled planes. Um, I could go on and on, but um, the bottom line is there is overwhelming evidence that the 9-11 Truth Movement has pulled together over the last over 17, almost 17 years, um, that uh, the official story of 9-11 is a complete and total Hitlerian big lie. So what does that mean then? Given that context of what we really know about 9-11, if you look into it at all, what does that tell you? If the director of national intelligence himself, former Senator Dan Coats, now this is Trump's own national director of national intelligence, DNI, mm-hmm. what, is it, what does it mean that the DNI literally right after Putin and Trump hold their press event in Helsinki, that DNI Dan Coates goes on international television and warns of a potential cyber 9-11 and says, quote, the warning lights are flashing red like they were before 9-11 regarding Russian interference in the upcoming election. What does that tell you? And what does it tell you when every single one of the top national security officials of the United States government not only DNI codes, but CIA director, the FBI director, the director of Homeland Security, and numerous military officers paraded into the White House press briefing room while Trump was at a campaign event, I think in Pennsylvania or wherever. Yeah, Wil- Wilkes-Barre. Russian- Excuse me? He was in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania, right. Uh, So they all came in totally unprecedented, all of them together, into the White House briefing room. And while he was out of Washington, D.C., so you have to ask yourself, did he even know they were going to do it? Um, But in any case, they came into the White House briefing room, all of them, and they held a a press conference that DNI, Dan Coates, headed, warning about Russian digital interference is active and ongoing and serious in the lead up to the coming election. Now, there, this is not, this is a lot higher than low probability. The entire national security establishment is setting up the American people to expect or be ready for some kind of claimed, whether real or not, interference in the actual voting machines in the upcoming midterm elections. All right. Now, Trump knows that if the Republicans lose the House, and especially if it looks like they're also going to lose the Senate in the polls getting closer to the November elections, he knows his presidency will be over, and it would be. If the polls are still as bad as they are now, and right now they're showing Democrats negate as many as 45 seats to take back the House and could also even take back a majority in the Senate, all Trump would have left would be to invent a pretext or to initiate a cyber 9-11 as an excuse to delay or postpone the election or to call the election outcome illegitimate and rigged, which, of course, he'd do anyway if he if the Republicans didn't hold the House and the Senate. So either way, what we're about to face, in my opinion, is not only a constitutional crisis, but a crisis to our entire democracy. Now, I would like to just add that I I need to put this in context for people, because it's fair for people to know where I'm coming from. 
Just like you, Richard, I monitor both mainstream and alternative news like a news junkie, like an information junkie every single day. And I'm going to tell you what I believe is the case, and I'm going to tell you why. I believe that the reason that Trump is so afraid and is willing, would be willing to either say there was a cyber 9-11 affecting the election outcome, or there might even be one that could be engineered as a false flag by his own people. The reason I believe that is that, believe it or not, and I can send you and Kintia the link to it to put up, which I forgot to do, but we can put it up on radio with pictures. President Trump has actually said publicly that he, this is a, an almost verbatim, it's, a, it's almost verbatim. President Trump has said publicly that he hopes he gets his way without there having to be another major attack. Okay? Now, who do I think Trump really is? I believe that the reason he's really afraid, if he loses, if the Republicans lose the House, and especially if they lose both the House and the Senate, there will be impeachment. And a lot more information will be let out by Mueller than if the Republicans still control one or both houses of Congress. The Russian Trump investigation is the whole historical context for why Trump might be willing to do this, because he knows the truth. I believe that the Russia-Trump investigation is not a witch hunt, it is a mole hunt. And that the evidence is screaming in our face every single day on national and international television that the top Russian mole is Trump himself, and that Putin has achieved literally the holy grail of Russian intelligence penetration by putting their man, Russia's man, in the Oval Office itself. Trump is doing literally everything that Putin himself would do if Putin were in charge of our country. Well, the thing that's so disturbing to me, Barbara, is that the Republicans in the House and Senate, they were presented with, I think, a $350 million uh, bill the other day to send money to the states because, of course, each of the states controls their own electoral process separate. It's not a federal system. It's a patchwork of 50 separate state systems and they right. they all need money to basically you know shore up cybersecurity to get you know back to paper ballots all this stuff the republicans voted down the yeah. 350 million dollars they're leaving us and again if you want to be conspiratorial it looks like they're deliberately leaving us open and naked and vulnerable so when something happens whether real or arranged they can say honestly, well, the state didn't have enough money, so it's got to be a real problem. In other words, it exactly. looks like they're setting it up to be the worst-case scenario where if, if, if push comes to shove and the president decides to postpone the election, he will have valid, real country, real heartland evidence that the states are not prepared, with nobody, of course, remembering at that point – that the money that they could have used to get prepared was not given to them for the two years that the Trump administration has been in, in power. Yes, that's right. And what it reminds me of, Richard, is I don't know if you remember this or some of your listeners remember this, but it was only after 9-11 that we learned that military, our, our own military intelligence out of the Pentagon had a 
terrorist tracking organization uh, outfit called Able Danger. And uh, I'll tell you what, we got we got to hold it there because well, you know we're well, running on. No, 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 you can't, you can't, you can't, because I'll miss my break. All right, do it when we come back. Okay. All right. You're on the other side of midnight. Aretha Franklin. first hour of the other side of midnight be sure to catch our complete live show every saturday and sunday night at 9 p.m pacific midnight eastern for a full three hours of this kind of exploration and be sure to visit the other side of midnight.com as you listen so you can follow our special radio with pictures guest page simultaneously the Kinsia, our hard-working producer specifically prepares to illustrate the topics discussed each show why because there is vital additional information on that Radio with Pictures guest page that I assure you will immeasurably enhance your understanding and enjoyment of what our guests are describing. I mean, would you rather listen to a guest talk about NASA images of ancient artifacts on Mars or simultaneously be able to follow the official NASA images showing you, as you're listening, the ruins? If you'd like to listen at your convenience to all our shows, including our unique Radio with Pictures feature, please visit midnight.com and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. Okay, what do you get with your Club 19.5 membership, besides helping the show literally stay on the air? Well, first of all, you will exclusively, this is not available to the general public, enjoy our enhanced ad-free podcast, courtesy of Chris Bell automatically downloading all the latest The Other Side of Midnight shows directly to your favorite podcast device so you can listen when you want to. Further, as a full Club 19.5 member, you will gain exclusive access to our The Other Side of Midnight 24-7 chat server, what I can't help calling the Open Hailing Frequencies Room, which is available only to members 24-7. Now, during the show, that's where you will find other 19.5 members and sometimes even members of the bridge crew, my guests, and even me uh, when I have time. Regardless, you can always relay live questions to me during the show just by going to the open hailing frequencies room. Of course, when we're not on the air with your 19.5 membership, you can visit our club 19.5 radio archives anytime and download all our shows directly to your computer which will automatically provide you a screen size that allows you to really examine the remarkable images Kinthea posts for each show. Okay, here's where I need to get kind of super serious. Club 19.5 is how our show is currently solely supported. In my hopefully not vain attempt to keep commercials to a minimum, if you're concerned about keeping us on the air, if you want to hear information that has been vetted far more than perhaps any other show, the best way to ensure that is to join Club 19.5 and get your friends and family to join too. 
And if you don't know already, when I drop by open hailing frequencies, you can even ask me directly what the ultimate meaning is behind 19.5. Literally, the most exclusive club in the world. Please join me and my interesting guests on this very stream every Saturday and Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, and be sure to come back and listen to our live three-hour shows. Thanks for listening, and now... Back to the show. night for thinking. It certainly is. Anyway, back to the morning. Barbara Honiger, <clears throat> excuse me, is my guest this morning. We're doing a kind of a musical. We're going to do bumpers all night to Aretha Franklin, an incredible performer, an incredible woman, an incredible presence. Um, and this song, Think, Think. You know, Barbara, there's a, I'm, I'm getting a lot of reaction from you know people sending me stuff. And the kind of distillation of the people who voted for Trump is this is all crap. Everything we've said in the first half hour is total, 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 total crap. So let's let's take a moment here and kind of go through this. All right. Well, there, they will see. Go ahead. See one of the one one of the things that people need to understand is the way you and I, who have been in this business for many, many years, I don't take columnists, I don't take reporters. I look at what we used to call actualities. When I see live television of five heads of the intelligence community in the White House briefing room, and they all are saying this live. And then I see the president, and I see him live, you know, before he gets on the helicopter or he's in the cabinet room. I mean, I'm only looking basically at the actualities, the live video, uncensored, coming from wherever to these these TV screens around me. And it's based on that that I make these decisions and I go looking for stories and analysis. But the primary backbone of my assessment is based on what we used to call the actuality. Now, the problem is you can spin the actuality later, but it's kind of hard to spin it when it's happening. When you have five heads of intelligence all standing up and saying that we may be on the verge of a major cyber attack, you better take that seriously because either they're telling you the truth, which is one category of, of you know ways you approach this, or they're telling you something that they want you to believe because they have an agenda. 
Exactly. Now, they now, could be setting up a cyber 9-11. Which exactly. Is what warning because, about. because in cyberspace, unless you kind of follow the digital fingerprints and are lucky enough to catch people in real time, it's hard to know, as Trump said many years ago, who's actually, you know, on the, on, on the keyboard. I mean, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Here's the other part of this, this discussion, okay? Let's assume for the sake of, of, of argument that Donald Trump is completely oblivious to this possibility. He has argued against Russian intervention for two years, more than two years. He stood up there next to Vladimir Putin and said basically, well, my intel guys tell me one thing, you tell me another. I really don't know who to believe. And of course, that shocked the world. So let's assume for a moment that he's that naive. If his intel people, if Dan Coates and his current head of the CIA and the DNI and all that all come to him and say, Mr. President, we are under major attack. We recommend so-and-so. Donald Trump could act on their recommendation completely in honest appreciation of their expertise and his lack of expertise and how would we ever know? We are so far down the rabbit hole, Barbara, in terms of the so-called fake news that nobody understands process, how to get to the original source of information and make decisions based on what I call actualities. Well, uh, can I tell you what I think? Yeah, sure, I? sure. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Trump's not naive. Um, Trump has, as I mentioned, you're talking about a man who has actually publicly said, and I will send you the link to the video clip, that he hopes he can get his way without having to have another major attack. Now, wait, wait. When, when, when did he say this? Uh, I'll, I'll have to get it for you. It's in the last few months. Okay. Okay. But this is, yeah. this is video of him actually saying this into a TV yes. camera. Okay. Yes. That's yes. an actuality. Yes, it's an actuality, and you can't deny it any more than you can deny that Dan Coates, the director of national intelligence, to counter what the president of the United States had just done minutes before in Helsinki, standing next to Putin, basically saying, I believe Putin and not my entire United States of America intelligence and military community. Okay, I believe that the entire Intelligence and military community is containing this president. How do you mean they're that? They're containing him like during the Cold War, um, the United States uh, foreign policy was to contain Russia. I believe that Trump is a Russian mole sitting in the Oval Office and that he is being contained by all these people. But that's why they waited for him to leave the White House to do this, because he would have never authorized it. I don't believe otherwise. OK, now, um, the as, as I mentioned, I don't think the Trump Russia investigation is a witch hunt. I think it's a mole hunt. And I think that's obvious. Now, let me just point out, Trump is doing, imagine that Putin were really in charge of Trump, that Putin, that Trump were his puppet, for however that is managed. Trump is literally doing everything that Putin himself would want done. Trump has just disabled, just the other day, the FBI's Russian spy hunting apparatus. He just fired the FBI's former top counter espionage agent. Peter, Peter just, Strzok. Yes, he yeah. just fired a man who was in charge of hunting all of the Russian moles in the United States. 
President Trump has attacked NATO, which is Putin's number one goal. He would love to bust up NATO. Okay. Trump has attacked our allies, including even Britain and Canada. He has just removed removed the security clearance from a former CIA director, John Brennan, and seven former CIA directors, William Webster, George Tenet, Portagos, Michael Hayden, Leon Panetta, who's my neighbor here in Carmel Valley, California, by the way, David Petraeus and Robert Gates, whose tenures as head of the CIA span both parties, presidents, and five presidencies, just signed a letter of outrage about this. These are American patriots. Many have served also in the military. And the former top commander of the United States Pentagon Special Operations Command, General McRaven, just sent an open letter to Trump saying that he would consider it an honor if you, sir, would revoke my security clearance as well. Through, this is a quote, through your actions, you have embarrassed us in the eyes of our children, humiliated us on the world stage, and worst of all, divided us as a nation. And that is true. That is everything that Putin would want to do. I believe we are not talking. This is not the deep state we're talking about. This is the United States we're talking about, which Russia is attacking directly from the inside of the Oval Office. And I believe this president is being contained by very patriotic of our military and civilian intelligence community and military. That is what I believe, and I think that's the evidence that is in our face every day. The problem is there are 30% of the country, maybe 40%, that regardless of what you lay on the table as evidence, and regardless of what I say, they're not going to believe us. For some reason, that 40% has been co-opted by this president to where they, they, they will not look at, as I said, actuality evidence, which is what comes out of these people's mouths live on television without the censorship or the spin of a reporter or an, an analysis or an opinion piece or an op-ed piece or whatever. We're talking just looking at people looking on at, into a television camera telling us what they're doing or what they're going to do, and there's 40% of the country that will not believe what they're seeing on live television. Not yet, Richard. But there is a point where it will happen. Uh, there is a point where it will become so blatantly obvious even to them that most of them will uh, will turn. Um, you know, uh, in the McCarthy era, and, and let me just remind people, I've said this on your show before, but uh, President Trump's mentor um, was none other than Roy Cohn. Mm. The infamous Roy Cohn. Who was Cohn. also the mentor of Joseph McCarthy. The yep. infamous McCarthy of the McCarthy era red baiting, which was all trumped up, forgive the pun, <laughs> trumped up, okay? So you've got the same evil mentor, Ray Cohn, of both Donald Trump and, by the way, uh, Roger Stone, his longest friend, personal friend, and uh, Joseph McCarthy. Now, what was pointed out uh, just the other day, I think it's in the current New Yorker, um, is an article uh, about uh, General McRaven, uh, General McRaven, the former Special Operations Command commander, who has come out and said, uh, President Trump, it would be an honor if you would revoke my security. Uh, actually, as well. dear, actually, he is not a general. He's an admiral. He's a U.S. Navy uh, you're admiral. You're, you're absolutely correct. That my, my, thank you for correcting me. Navy Admiral McRaven. Um, but he was head of the Special Operations Command. Well, the he's the one who, together, the plan, together with the CIA, to go and get bin Laden. 
Yeah, except Bin Laden really died in December. Well, except. But that's another story. That's another story. Um, but the the point I want to make here is that you're you were talking about the thirty five to forty percent. That's the claim anyway of uh, Trump's supposed base. But you know, these people have been caught, and uh, he he presented himself a multi billionaire. At least that's what he claims to be. Um, he presented himself as being the representative and the champion of the the working man and woman, you know, the Joe Six Pack and the uh, Jane Six Pack, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and these these people, um, the actual statistics are that their wages, that their income has either stagnated or gone down under his policies. They have been conned, and I think their wages. Except up to Barbara, the fact that- they don't care. This is not a discussion at the level of facts and figures and income and you know health care and social security and all that. This is about image and getting back at the people who have been controlling their lives for decades, that they now think they have a champion who is going to right all the wrongs that they see in this society have been accumulating for decade after decade. And it, it's remarkable. I mean, as, as a sociological phenomenon, I'm absolutely fascinated by how Trump continues, regardless of what he says live into a television camera, how they continue to have this, this confidence and faith that ultimately he has their best interests at heart, regardless of what he said standing or did not say standing next to Vladimir Putin, who is not a nice guy. Right. Well, uh, the bottom line here is that they don't really matter for the election if the swing voters who make all the difference in every election, the swing voters are between 18 and 20 to 21 percent. They're the independents and they're the, uh, you know, the Democrats who could go over and vote Republican or the Republicans who could swing over and vote Democrats. They're called the swing voters. And the swing voters are predominantly in the suburbs. And the suburbs are turning it half turned against Trump. That's one of the reasons. Well, it's that, primarily uh, Republican women, educated Republican suburban women who looked at this guy to make a bet on him. And they're now having a second look. It's called buyer's remorse. Yeah, that's right. And they're the ones that are going to swing. They're definitely going to swing as in opposition to what they've seen coming from this president because it's not anything like he told them two years ago. That's right. And I think this is a pretty good time to segue into Charlottesville one year later. And the reason is I'm going to give you my opinion as to why Trump's base is staying with him so far. Okay. Okay. And there will come a time, in my opinion, when they will a, a large percentage of them will turn. It'll be too obvious to them. But will it be uh, too even, late? Even to if if, no, if, I think it, if basically postponing the midterms, which is crucial to having people have a voice in this government, if that is postponed for an excuse, there will never be the um, visible evidence that he has not been appropriately representing him for the last two years. Well, or if if um, the claim is made, let's say that there is a that they're setting us up, that the Trump administration is setting us up for a nine eleven, a cyber nine eleven false flag, that it's actually an inside job, right? Uh, which is one serious scenario, uh, and that Trump can then claim, well, this is not a legitimate result. Uh, we're not giving up the Congress. You know, one way or the other, no matter what the public 
apparent result of the election is one side or the other is going to claim Russian interference, in my opinion. Okay, but but let me let me just say why I think Trump's face is still staying with him. The real reason, and it's because there is still a core of not just conscious, but in most cases subconscious, but it's coming to consciousness of absolute raw racism in this country. That's what's really behind the anti-immigration, the people who are against immigration. It's the it's the reason for the um, the rise and the coming out of the closet, the, the ripping off of the mask of the neo-Nazis and white supremacists uh, in Charlottesville a year ago. I want people to understand that Trump doesn't just stoke white supremacy and neo-Nazism in this country. He is their leader in their eyes, their Fuhrer. Before the election in 2016, these neo-Nazis and white supremacists, so-called white nationalists, they are misogynists and they are racist in the extreme, and they referred to him as their gl- long-awaited glorious leader. That's another name for Fuhrer. His first wife, Ivana, who is the mother of Ivanka Trump, his daughter, who's so famous, works in the White House. Ivana Trump, in a sworn deposition, said that her husband, now President Trump's bedtime reading, that he kept at the table next to his bed was Hitler's compiled speeches. And she said that associates came into his office, presumably in Trump Tower, though she didn't say he was in Trump Tower then, and saluted Heil Hitler to him. Good heavens. <clears throat> I will, I've already given you those links, and I will give you again, if you're willing to put them up on radio with pictures. Yeah, of course. That's what the show does. It puts links up so people can go and find out for themselves. Let me, let me give you one, and, and Kinthea's going to go and find out where to get this. There is a new New York Times bestseller written by Craig Unger, who was yeah, a very fa- – I know Craig. I know Craig. He's a very famous author. He did a book on the Bush years called mm-hmm. House of Bush, House of Saeed, talking about Saud. Saud- yes, Saudi Saud. Arabia. Right, right. He's now got a new one called House of Trump, House of Putin, where he oh, goes good. back to 1984 when Trump Tower – and by the way, when we're in the breaks, you need to – Mute your mic so we don't hear you typing, because oh, type, right. typing is not Sorry. good on the air, okay? <laughs> okay. Not good at all. Anyway, all right. so Younger has come out with this new book. He's got a very long track record. He does his homework. Oh, the, he has gone something through something like 10,000 references. I mean, an incredible amount of documentation. The new book, House of Trump, House of Putin, basically tracks back to where this Trump-Putin infatuation began and he traces it back in the book to 1984, when well, Trump a lot before when Trump Tower when Trump Tower was brand new, and a bunch of Russians came to the tower to meet with him, and they plunked down six million dollars on the desk, and they bought five condos, and yes, Un- right. Unger traces his deep deep connection. Because then they all said to him, flattering him, of course, oh, you got to do this in, in Moscow. And he went to Moscow, and that's when it's assumed by many sources that the compromise that the Russians have on Trump was was uh, accumulated. You know, They put interesting young ladies in his path. And, of course, the Russian mafia is, as one of the uh, former heads of the KGB has said, is basically KGB. So 
we're now looking at a very well-documented author who has a track record of telling the truth with documentation you can check. And he's now written this remarkable book. It's available, I think, for something like 15 bucks. I would hardly recommend anybody who's curious about Trump's background and this remarkably curious Russian connection. You get Unger's book because he seems to have documented what no one else has been able to document so far, which is this incredibly long, incredibly deep, not deep state, but deep Trump-Russian connection. Yes, and, you know, Craig Unger is one of the world's foremost. Can you get him a call and have him come on the show? I'd love to talk to him for three hours because um, he has I gone. Would, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I have his contact information anymore. Um, but, but what I was going uh, – I'll bet we can that. find something for you because, yeah. you know, getting through the yeah, curtain – allow, allow me to just say that Craig Unger is one of the world's foremost investigative journalists, and he was the investigative journalist who did the phenomenal, phenomenal long article. I believe it was in Vanity Fair. I'm not sure. It could have been in The New Yorker. I think Vanity Fair. But um, after shortly after 9-11, he broke the story – Um, with all the details on how Bush and Cheney let the Saudi royals, the Saudi royal family members, and and the bin Laden family members leave the United States. Oh, they all skated on big airplanes right after 9-11. special charter planes before any American could fly on any civilian Mm -hmm. airplane on September 14th of 2001. I remember it vividly. Craig Unger broke that story. Wow. He's phenomenal. People should take him seriously. Okay, what we'll try to do is we'll try to get a contact uh, email, number, whatever, and then put you in touch with him directly because I would love to have him on the show to provide documented evidence of what is going on. Because, yeah, I mean, if you were looking at this from the outside, if you knew nothing, and you see again and again the one person that Trump does not badmouth in email, on television, in any form, is Vladimir Putin. Him and, and what, and what, that, what Vladimir Putin is doing is supporting both monetarily and otherwise the right-wing fanatics in both the NATO European countries and the United States. Mm-hmm. And he's doing that to divide the countries and bust up the West. And it's working so far. Well, it's kind of – it's, it's not really working. It's kind of simmering, okay? It's it's. It's closer than that. Uh, there, there are, uh, you know, in Hungary and now Italy and um, other countries in, and and it's, you know. Well, we, remember, we Putin, Putin tried to keep Macron from being elected in France a couple years ago, and the right-wing radical Nazi running against him—I forget her name—she lost, even and though. Marine Le Pen lost. So yeah, he, he, he lost. She lost to Macron. Right. And that was that. That really stopped uh, the momentum. But, you know, they're not going to give up, and, uh, well, but no. it's clear that they're supporting the right wing, both in this country and, it's, and in Europe. No question about it. Anyway, I'd like to get Unger on because, again, good investigative journalists who do their homework, who come up with sources. I mean, the whole idea in the world of fake news is there are no sources. You can't go back to original sources. Well, Unger is old school, and all of his books have been incredibly sourced, and this latest one on Trump and Putin – is certainly worth a read. 
Oh, absolutely. I'm, I wasn't aware of it. And boy, am I going to, if I could get off the show right now and go out and buy it, I would. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got about three minutes till the top of the hour and I don't want to miss right. my break because people get so upset when I miss my breaks on this show. Oh, no, we can't do that. Okay. So let's give people a kind of a foretaste of what we're going to do for the rest of the program. Now that we've kind of gotten right. the, the, you know, the, 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 the Trump, you know, discussion out of the way. Because we're yeah. going to go back to ancient year, days of yesteryear and 9-11 to show people how, in fact, these things happened already. And most of the culture still doesn't understand that 9-11 was a put-up job. Well, what I'd like to remind you is I would like to first, because it's more relevant to the first part of the program, right after the top of the hour, I'd like to just talk about the danger of the Kavanaugh confirmation. Oh, my gosh, yes. And uh, then after that, um, as we go down to 1030 at the bottom of the hour, um, I'm going to be introducing an incredible new 9-11 witness who will be joining us right after the 1030 break. Our and surprise guest, yes. going to blow your mind. Wow. Well, see, the problem I'm having is I'm still getting these, you know, communications from Trump supporters. Regardless of what we put on the table – they will not read. They have their idea of who this man is, and never the twain shall meet. It's really, if you could remove yourself and be somewhat objective, it's a remarkable phenomenon because we live in an era where there's so many sources of information available, you'd think that they'd look at least one or two and possibly you know, feel that maybe they should look further. Uh-uh. They are categorically opposed to even... A discouraging word said about this president. Okay, hold it there. We've got Aretha Franklin at the top of the hour. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. My guest this morning is Barbara Honiger. We're going to have a lot of surprises as the morning progresses. This is Aretha. Respect. It's all about respect. <laughs> 